Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Wow, we. A proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Hello everybody, it is Tuesday, it is the Tuesday after an incredible first weekend of AFL Finals. This is the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download Tab Touch today, but please gamble responsibly and please call Gamble's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. In the studio with me, and he's been talking up a bit of a rumble, it's... The man with small hands, a.k.a. the blind squirrel, a.k.a. now, Fist of Fury, Glenn Quartermain. How are you, mate? I'm good, Duff. You're giving me a boxing name for a reason, aren't you? Look, I'll, be- I'll better background it before we get into the real <laughs> stuff. So our good friends, um, Duck and Oz, who run the Purple Rain podcast, Fremantle's, the Fremantle podcast, or one of them, had a, a question emailed to them this week, and it was, if Duff and Quarters had a fight, who would win? They had a bit of discussion about it. They suggested that perhaps you were the son of a dark and shearer and country boy, whereas I'm a city boy with small hands. They thought you might just get the edge. So they ran a poll. 82%. <laughs> Back to you, Duff. 18% I got. Clearly they hadn't seen me fight. So well, No. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've sent them a message, which I believe they've read on their podcast. Now, I did some research. Duff, four years of boxing training in Bunbury. Is that correct? Three. Three years. So, so we I'm used to do boxing. We used to play footy on Sunday at the South Bunbury, and we used to box on a Monday with Billy Ivory, who was a national, I think he was a bantamweight champion. So he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So we learned how to um, throw a punch. We, the mo- more important thing, we learned how to stop a punch. Yes, but that, that is the most important thing. <laughs> now, now I will point out we don't condone violence of any sort in this program. Um, look, I just said to them, I've got small hands, but they are fists of fury. Yes. And also, do I can fight dirty. Do not discount my chances. Having said that, I've got to fess up, mate. I'm a lover, not a fighter, Duff. And you know what? I had one fight. I had one stepped in the boxing ring once in my life. Actually, that's not true. I've done a little bit of training, but once for a fairly can fight. It was in scouts. It was against my mate and lasted less than 20 seconds. I was on the <laughs> canvas. <laughs> I think you might have me. Oh, I don't know. As I as I tweeted uh, not long after your tweet, I said I I was concussed six times uh, in my younger days, uh, which proves I'm very hittable. It could be like Ali V Foreman. I might just rope a dope. Yeah, I could. might just go back against the ropes and let you pound into me and just just get tire you out. We both could be like Sonny Liston in the second fight against Ali, we where, could. <laughs> where we barely get hit and we go down and we stay down. I can see something here. We should get Don King to promote this. <laughs> I don't think so. I think my fighting days are well and truly over. Now, we better get on to the serious stuff. We should get on to the serious stuff because, Quarters, we've got some breaking news. Seven West Media and Foxtel have secured the AFL broadcast rights for the seven years following on from the expiry of the current deal, which ends at 2024. So uh, 
our company, Seven West Media and Foxtel, will have those rights until 2031. It's a significant increase on the current deal, which is a $500 million a year deal. So uh, big news for us, big news for the AFL, and uh, one of Gillam McLaughlin's signing off points. Uh, congratulations to us. That's a that's really big news. It's massive in terms of um, the footy fan experience too. We'll wait and see what the fine details of it are, Mark. And, and looks like there's a significant free-to-air component. A significant free-to-air component. So everyone's concerned about whether they can watch Eagles or Dockers games in their home state. I'm tipping that you'll be able to. It may There may be some games delayed, but you'll still be able to have your free-to-air. Experience. The details of that will become clear later today, but uh, that is big news. We have just witnessed the best start to a final series, at least since 1994, and I would argue it's even got 1994 covered. Yeah, waiting for the blowout that never came. Uh, we thought we had a blowout, uh, sort of halfway through the second quarter of the Fremantle game, but boy, oh boy, uh, four absolute crackerjack games of football could not leave, was scared to... if. Scared to leave the lounge chair to get a cup of tea or a beer uh, for missing anything. That's how good it was all weekend. Brisbane through Richmond. Sydney, amazing, through Melbourne. Um, Geelong Collingwood, uh, so good that I was at the Frio uh, Western Bulldogs pre-match. And Mark Reddings, our good friend, was emceeing. Gil McLaughlin was there. Richard Goyder was there. And they were giving the pre-match preamble. And Skeeter says, look, I've got to ask the question, Gil. People don't want to listen to me. There's two minutes to go at the G. There's one point, the difference. I think we go to the monitors behind us, don't we? The monitors were showing the finals posters. Gil said, permission to go to the monitors. So, bang, (laughs) the live game flashed up. So, we saw the last two minutes. To be honest, as much as as captivating as they were, we're all looking outside at the giant screen. Yep. It was just a magnificent game. One of those games where it's just – I know it's a bit cliche, but you really – no one deserved to lose that Geelong-Collingwood game. They did not deserve to lose. but And then we roll into Fremantle Western Bulldogs. And just what a magnificent comeback. It's quick, clean, um, just everything you like about Fremantle on show for two and a half quarters. Uh, and the only worrying thing, I guess, is that's twice, two matches in a row they've come from behind. You don't want to give Collingwood a lead this week. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that are into that, which we'll get to. Mm. First of all, four great games – this is how high a standard the games were. I think we can discount Melbourne and Sydney because that was the one that wasn't alive with three minutes to go. Yeah. Um, still a great game. Fascinating game. But which was your favourite? Well, the favourite was the one that I was at, which is Fremantle Western Bulldogs. What I loved about it, that's my favourite. What I loved about it was the way Frio won. Uh 41 points down, and, and even in the game, I'll give Amos as a great example. So gets called back into that side, misses from the top of the square, which he will never do again in his career, but it's just nerves. Clearly the nerves got the better of him, and you could just see him grow into that game. Kicks a couple, takes that beautiful contested mark. I just loved his game, I thought, was a great metaphor for the whole thing. The speed. You know, even when they were down and out early, Switkowski, whenever he had the ball in his hands, I felt Frio looked threatening, but just couldn't punch their way through. And when it started, it started. They got Fredericks isolated on a wing and just got the ball through him. It was They were so quick. 
and clean. And, yeah, it was just great to watch the confidence build. I, I felt like I was watching the emergence. I mean, I know Frio's had a great year, and we've already said it's a tick for making finals, but I just thought that was great for their belief um, on Saturday night. And I reckon for a lot of those young players, worth 10 games at least of experience. Well, you stole my question. I was going to ask you, you're a great believer in this theory uh, with Hawthorne having played so many finals over the years. How many home and away games was that worth? It's, well, I'll say 10. You know, Sheedy used to uh, debut guys on Anzac Day because he re- reckons it's worth 10. Mm. Uh, I, every bit of 10 games. I just reckon you now know you can stand up. So I talk Brayshaw. I talk Sarong. They know now they can not just do it in the home and away. They can stand up on the fiercest of stages with an opponent with their foot on their throat and find a way to punch through. So I'm going to go um, – my favourite result was obviously the Fremantle win because it's it's our team and, um, and it's the team nearest and dearest to my heart and to come back like that show great character. But the best game, I believe, was the um, – and it's a rich field because mm. there were 17 lead changes in Brisbane-Richmond on Thursday night. But the Saturday game – Geelong Collingwood was mm. so fierce it was almost frightening to watch. It was. Frightening's a really good word. It, it was, was just collision after collision, pressure act after pressure act, tackle after tackle, impact after impact, spill after spill, hunt after hunt, just continuously on and on and on. It was phenomenal. It was a it was a phenomenal contest. It set the bar so high for um for people watching on that you've got a lot of commentators saying if your team missed the eight and you weren't at a game like that, you've missed an opportunity to learn just watching it. It, it was fierce, the fiercest of fierce games. And, and Geelong, 12 months ago, with that pressure on them and the ball, the game forced into a contested game, there was no, there was no free kicks out wide in this game. It was, it was so in close, this game. They would have lost that 12 months ago. Did, in fact, lose those games 12 months ago. So you credit to Chris Scott and the Geelong players, clearly mostly the Geelong players, um, everyone who's bought into it because they were able to withstand that now. That was a great win for them. And, again, great for their belief that they can withstand that. And, by the way, Collingwood, well done. I mean... I love. There's been a bit of commentary about McRae's comments after the game. I loved his comments after the game. So a couple of Geelong's, uh, sorry, Collingwood players laid flat in their backs, and he said didn't like it. Um, you know, we're not lo- we're not losers. We lost the game, but we're not losers. We we're winners. Get up and walk around. I didn't mind his comments because it was more about a message to the players saying, "Hey, we got a uh, semi final to win here." Yeah. Look, you know the problem I had with it is that if that's what you meant, and we we know that's what he meant. Say that. Don't send silly bulldust messages about, oh, they laid down. If I'm Darcy Moore and I've just played Tommy Hawkins to a standstill yeah, and held one goal, Darcy. Yeah. and Darcy Moore wants to lay down to th- for 30 seconds after the game, <laughs> you know, lay down, Darcy. It, what goes on between the, f- the first bounce and the final siren is what's important. They lo- lost no admirers. No. In fact, you could argue they learnt and gained from the experience of playing in that game. Um, if... If that's what he meant, and we're pretty sure that's what he meant, just come out and say that. Yeah, I didn't mind it. We, we probably disagree don't, on that. Don't I didn't send, mind it. Because what coaches have to be careful is that what they think they're saying and what players are hearing can be two different things. So be very clear on what you're saying. So just, you know, if the cat sat on the mat, say the cat sat on the mat. Don't 
try and turn it into some flowery mystical message just basically say what you mean and and look there's very little to criticize Craig McRae about this year he's been an outstanding coach um, that was probably the two coaches in the, of the year in that Gun. Yeah, oh, no question. Um, the cats didn't sit in the mat, by the way. The cat got up. <laughs> uh, even down to the absolute winning kick with uh, Gary Rowan, who played a great final, which I was pleased for him because he needed to play a great final, let's be honest, dropping the mark. He, didn't, he missed the mark He missed completely. the mark completely. And then um, Max pouncing on it. and um, It was just... And by the way, running the length of the ground to do so. That's the thing. So this was the key, wasn't it? And and when you highlight the behind-the-goals footage of this game, the gut run of the Geelong forwards and their ability to get out the back of Collingwood's players was a key. Max Holmes is the son of Lee Naylor, who's a former – she was yeah. certainly a Commonwealth Games athlete. I don't yep. know whether she was an Olympic athlete. She was a sort of like a 200-, 400-metre runner, so she, she was a, an elite runner. So he can run. Um, it's in his genes. And Gary Rowan, very quick. Um, Gary Rowan had sprinted about 70 metres before he missed that mark and had the composure to, to gather and get the ball to Holmes in the goal square. Holmes had run even further and put even an even bigger gap in, I think it was Ginevan trying to chase mm. him. Um, and, and basically that was where the, um, the game decided came from. Tommy Atkins last quarter. <clears throat> huge. Huge last quarter and a bit of a changing of the guard there. The, the beauty for Geelong here is you can... Start your centre bounces with with Atkins there, and not Selwood in those key moments. Selwood's still a very valuable player, but not the player he was. Atkins almost assumed that role now. So they've also probably got the the likely most valuable player of the finals, haven't they? So Jeremy Cameron, because there aren't many teams who are set up to to stymie both Tommy Hawkins and yep. Jeremy Cameron. Jeremy Cameron is set for a big September. I think, and he certainly started in the right fashion. Three goals, 12 goal assists. Two of the goals were yeah. just brilliant goals. You know, the snap early when um, Geelong were under the pump and then the one from the boundary after Ash Johnson down the other end had kicked the Chinana, as they say, the yeah. one that goes left to right and then fades back right to left. And late. then gave the crowd a bit and then uh, he gave him some with interest, didn't he, Jeremy Cameron? Exactly, yes. Uh, yeah. He... We were critical of him a couple of years ago for good reason because we thought he was sort of sitting back a bit, waiting for everything to happen. Mm. Uh, he's taken the game on now, and I reckon the form he's in, he's almost impossible to match up on because he's so athletic. I think he's. I think he's possible to match up on quarters. Oh. I think it's just really that there are only one or two teams in the entire competition who have the two defenders who can play on Tommy Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron. Now, if Darcy Moore goes to Jeremy Cameron. Jeremy Cameron probably has a completely different day. But, but if, Tom Hawkins doesn't. But Tom Hawkins kicks five mm. and monsters whoever he's playing on. And this is the problem for every team, with the possible exception, you know what, of Fremantle. I was going to say, what, who is the other team? I was going to say it would be Fremantle. <clears throat> so Alex Pierce plays on Tommy Hawkins with help from Brennan Cox and Griffin Logue goes back and just runs the ground with Jeremy Cameron because Griffin Logue's got a huge tank. So... Um, yeah, so Fremantle's one team that could possibly do it. There aren't there aren't many others. Um, certainly not in the final series. If you look at Sydney, Tom McCartan would get one. Who would get the other? See, Paddy McCartan's Paddy. not really that that type of player. No. Um, yeah, there's not many in the finals. So Rampy. Oh, Melbourne, Melbourne with May and Lever. Yeah, Melbourne and May. Yeah, and Harry Petty helping. So. Yeah. Um, so that game was an intriguing game. Sydney just took took it away from Melbourne, didn't they? They dismantled them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Melbourne's got 
an issue. So we talked about this and we were probably steered away from it by what they did to Brisbane a couple of times late in the season and they came here and dismantled Fremantle as well. But um, Melbourne is now 6-7 and seven over their last 13 games. Compared to the other contenders, that's pretty woeful in comparison. I'm still not writing Melbourne off, by the way, but it's contingent on one thing, or two things, actually. One is Luke Jackson needs to step up and Max Gone needs to go forward more, but that connection inside 50, which is what we've been banging on about all year, all year, is still not right. Here's the question. How many times in packs, when they're bombing the ball in, were Luke Jackson, Max Gorn and Ben Brown all flying for the same mark in the same pack? Which is not Melbourne of last year. Well, what, why is that even happening? Yeah, I, I agree. So yeah. there's a disconnect there, and that needs to be addressed really quickly. I still have faith in Melbourne being able to turn this around. But I tell you what, I haven't been a believer of Sydney, and I should have been, but I tell you what, I am now. And and let's talk about them for a second. Look at the, the back six. They're back six. Now, we know we know how good Rampy is. We know one of the toughest defenders to play on. He just works and works and, and works. And an All-Australian. And an All-Australian. But you look at the, the rest of them. McCartan by two. Lloyd. Fox, 29-year-old. They're rookies or players who have been traded in or largely or players that have been refashioned into a defensive role. Yeah, so, okay, let's let's... I'll tackle you a bit on this one. Mm -hmm. So, Paddy McCartan is a number one draft pick. He is. So, but not as a defender. No, but one thing we know about Paddy McCartan is he can play. We've always known he could play. He had the concussion issues. He's got the diabetes issue. All those things are challenges for him, but we've always known he could play. You don't get to be the number one draft pick unless you've got talent. Um, uh, Blakey is a... um, Academy player. Academy player. Was a genuine top ten draft pick. Um, who else have we got there? Uh, Tom McCartan was the youngest player in taken in his draft, but that means he was sort of like discounted a little bit because people hadn't seen a lot of him. But the minute we saw him play, we knew okay they found a talent here. So not you know scrap heap or anything like that. We've mentioned Rampy. Rampy came out of Sydney competitions. We knew from the time he started playing, yeah, this bloke's a player. So this is a good defence. Mm. Um, it's not a cobbled together defence. This is a very good defence. This has got very good personnel back there, and they've got a good mix of things. But I'm suggesting if this six is at another club, they're not playing. It's not this six. I just think Sydney find a way to do this stuff, and they've done it very well here. Um, I'm just just. I'm astounded by the year they've had. I really am. And they got a preliminary final at the SCG now. Yeah, so they probably win that and they probably play in the grand yeah, final. They do. Yep. So that and and well deserved. I one thing I will say about Sydney is that I suspect Sydney has the best coaching panel. So we talked just before about the two best coaches this year. Is Longmire not yeah, in that? Absolutely. Mix? And and Longmuir, for that matter. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at four of the six teams left, they've all been had outstanding efforts from from coaching panels. Um, but Longmire and uh, McRae, in my book, are a little similar in that they've. I believe their sides are ahead of themselves. Yeah. Whereas I think Chris Scott deserves the plaudits because he's reinvented this team in twelve months. So all great. They're the three for me, and Longmire, great job. But I want to see another win. You know, yeah, no, that's right. But that's nothing taking nothing away from last week. And the belief the players have in themselves and the belief in their coach, um, tick, tick, tick there. They're, they're, they're a good side for you. Yeah, and and they have franked this season. People were surprised. I, say, I already reckon they had, but... Well, 
I can tell you right now, and I found out this a couple of months ago, Fremantle, before round one, believe they would play finals, they would be top six, and they would win a final. That's what they believe. So right now, the challenge is now, okay, you've achieved par for your season according to your expectations. Now, how hungry are you to push ahead and take a real swing at this? Um, but Fremantle had a lot of self-belief from within, and Longmuir was the driver of that belief. He was a, he was a big believer that they were a lot better than um, what the the football industry was giving. They're the quickest side in it. Oh, I reckon they're close. If they're not, Sydney's got some speed. Collingwood's got some speed. Mm. Um, I don't think you. I think it's very hard to compete in the AFL now unless you've got speed. Um, Fremantle's got real youth. I reckon this is the exciting thing about Fremantle. You look at the back six. So I thought Walker was very shaky early and then found his feet late and his speed was important. Hayden Young was phenomenal. Hayden Young's just a really, really good player. You do that draft now and Fremantle probably has two of the top three picks. Yeah. So Sarong, Young, and you might throw in Chad Warner, who was picked. Oh, I'd throw him in. So he, yeah. He's picked somewhere down around 40 in that draft. Um, he, they're probably the three and they're probably Noah Anderson's a very good player don't get me wrong and Rowell's probably had been interrupted yeah. so we'll probably know how good Rowell's going to be two or three years in yeah. probably this time next year we'll, we'll have a fair idea how good Rowell's going to be but um, right now if you redid that draft Fremantle's got two of the, the top three picks first final pretty good effort yeah yeah, pretty good effort it's a good back six oh it's a phenomenal back six mm. and you know, if you look at who's not playing in that back, we haven't mentioned Jordan Clark either. So Jordan Clark's That's a really a good young player. Um, Nathan Wilson can't get a game. Joel Hamling can't get a game. They've had to find another use for Griffin Logue. Um, you know, we haven't even spoken about Luke Ryan in this. But this is the profile of a good finals team. Yeah, when good players can't force their way in, this is the profile you you are after as a coach. And they've had good. A good run with injury. After having a horrible run with injury for mm. two years, an injury probably, um, pro- probably injury and inaccuracy probably stopped them from playing finals last year. Um, they were probably ready, I think, um, but you know, circumstances prevented it. Now they're, yeah, they they they've set themselves up for a run of. Six, seven, or eight years. Yeah, to take let's a hope so. At it. Um, now, I had the privilege of centre wing, my seat centre wing, watching the game at the weekend in the in the beautiful victory. Did lounge. you reclining seats? Oh yes, of course. Um, <laughs> Why do I even doubt it? <laughs> I was had the pleasure of sitting behind Mr. and Mrs. Brayshaw. Yes, I've never seen a, a lady do it harder than when Andrew has that football. She, <laughs> I felt so sorry for her. Ultimately, I felt very happy for her because she was delighted, but she does it hard, I can tell you. Had the fingers over the face, and um, and he had a cracking game too, so she, she gave him plenty to smile. He gave her plenty to smile about. Who is your bog? <sighs> it's one of the two. I think it's, it's, it's either um, Sarong or Brayshaw. Who's your captain? Your next I'm captain. going, look, I'm, okay. Okay, um, I'm going with the incumbent for two years. Five for two more years. Not five, sorry, the incumbent. Alex Pierce for two Alex years. Alex Pierce for two years. Because I think he's leader, he's a leader, he's shown great leadership qualities. Why do you have to thrust it on? Why don't you make them vice captains under him for a couple of years and then let them grow into the role? I don't know if I want to thrust it onto them just yet. Ultimately, who is my captain? I'm going with Brayshaw, and I know your going's are wrong, and that's nothing against either of them. I love them both. 
but that's what I would do. I would go Pierce when Fife's ready to hand it over, and I think maybe next year is the time for that. Next year's definitely yeah. the time. Let, so let Nathan Fife play. Why, what would year. be wrong with Pierce doing that for two years? Yeah, no, I don't have a problem with that. The only thing I'd say, his injury profile's a bit... Been good this year, though. I yeah. reckon let's back him to, to stay out there. Okay, last question. And um, for our listeners, all these questions are you to you as well. Yeah. Who was best on ground at the weekend? Uh, who would be your next captain? And one more. You can have one of Caleb Sarong and Andrew Brayshaw and you have to let one go. Who is it? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going Brayshaw. And I'm hurting. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm the same. Mm-hmm. So I would probably lean towards Sarong as the captain. I would lean towards Sarong as best on ground yep. on the weekend. I thought Sarong's clean, cleanliness, sorry, just clean ball handling. Yeah. Clean ball handling under pressure around stoppage I thought was a major factor in the game. Um, but if I'm picking one to keep, pick the two-way runner. Yep. And Brayshaw is the best two-way running midfielder in the comp, and um, so he was the one. He's the one I'd pick. Mm. Yeah. A lot of clean. You Gee, know, big, it'd be a big decision for your list manager. Though. Yeah, I'm sweating, and I'm not a list manager. I'm sweating <laughs> just thinking about it. Um, uh, gee, Switkowski's clean, isn't he? He Switkowski's their most important small forward. And you know what? We did make him have a bit of a giggle at the Champion Data Stats preseason. Now you may not have, but a few of us thought elite. They don't no, look so silly now, do they? I had a giggle. Yeah, they don't look so silly. But now. I, I realised about round four. No, hang on, this bloke's this bloke is he's their best so player. important to them. I'm we're so glad he's got back out there, and he credited the um, medical team at Frio for that. That was a pretty worrying back injury. So great to see him out there. Crucial to their forward line. Michael Walters, what a performance by unbelievable. I was worried about him mid year. Um, not that he wasn't giving his 100% every week, but I was worried about his being able to lift himself to the heights he'd had in the pre- in the past. That was the best game I've seen him play in, f- oh, I don't know when, a long, Pro- long, long, Probably long two and a half years. Yeah, he was incredible. Uh, and missed a couple early. Could have been, you know, I'm not saying he didn't. Could have had a real big night. Well, he did have a real big night, but he yeah. could have had a, statistically so, it could have looked more impressive. But for me, he was key. So the set shot, he normally kicks, and he would probably normally kick one of the round-the-corner ones. So he's probably had a five-goal night, ended up with three, with a number of goal assists, enormous pressure acts. Big goals, too, at the right time. Yeah. And uh, Amos's goal, I remember saying to uh, my wife, who's sitting next to me, actually, on half-time, I said, has to kick this. Mm. Just You've got to frank this comeback with a goal here, and also for his confidence – I thought, has to kick this, and didn't let me down. So that was really important. And I felt at halftime, I watched the two teams. I can tell you, Fremantle sprinted off that ground full of energy. The dogs were less so. They were milling around the centre area, and I thought, oh, there's been a shift in this game. Yeah, no, I thought Fremantle would win at halftime. Yeah. And I was pretty sure they would win at three-quarter time, even though I think the dogs were still... Um, maybe a goal up at that stage. It was a remarkable game, really. I mean, you look at Bontempelli early, uh, first quarter and a bit, had just had his own footy, didn't he? He did. He did. Well, he's a class player, isn't he? He was their best player on the night. I thought Dunkley was their second best yep. player. I noticed, according to the coaches' votes, I think they had uh, McRae as the second best player. I thought Dunkley was... And mightn't be there next year. Yeah, yeah. Interesting one, that. If I was them, I'd rather lose McRae than Dunkley. Does that... No, no. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Just to me, Dunkley brings a bit of a brute to the 
to the scene. And McRae can get it 40 times and the Dogs can still lose yeah. to a middle-of-the-road team. Yeah, they have got a few of those, though. Yeah. They've got a few accumulators who aren't quite as impactful as you think they are. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you there. I think Dunkley certainly is, and Bontempelli is just... And talk about players that are hard to match up on when they're up and about. He's one of them. So I think they've got a couple of the same player or a very similar sort of player. But I wonder if Dunkley goes and McRae stays, they'll be losing the one that would would suit them better. Not yeah. necessarily the better player, yeah. but the one that would suit them better in their Well, league. I think their most important player... I know, we again, we sort of disagree. It was missing on Saturday night. Yeah, Libba. No, Libba was a Didn't they miss his... I reckon if he's in there extracting in that second half, it's a lot closer than, a, you know... A, oh, it's yeah. a dogfight all the yeah. way to the end. Yeah. And, and, like, we talked about the fact that the Fife out for Fremantle was less impactful than the Liberatore out for Western Bulldogs. No doubt about that, I think. Thursday night oh, yeah. quarters, Lockie Neal's game. So two things about this. Was that the individual performance of the, of the first week of the finals? 100%. And... Richmond are ten and three in finals since two thousand seventeen, so it's very hard to question the method. But did Richmond pay the price for not tagging? Clearly, they did. But they now didn't make finals and out in the first set, so I'm not sure where they're going. I think well, they're going for Tim Taranto. They're going for Tim Taranto. Well, they need Tim Taranto. They need to refresh there. Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think that they probably do win it. What balances out? McInerney's um, departure? Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, that unsettled... Or Prestia. Or Prestia. I'm, Prestia stays in, they probably win. McCa- Funnily enough, McInerney's departure probably helped them in a way. I don't know. I didn't mind McStay going into the middle. So it's a hard one to fathom. It doesn't matter. They lost. And let's not give it much time. But it was a behind to Tom Lynch. I don't care about the ARC review. I care about the Tom Lynch review. It was it was a behind. <laughs> I do care about the ARC review because the right decision was made. And, you know, Damien Harwick needs to be very careful what he wishes for because he was actually wishing for the wrong result um, to be put on the board and for Brisbane to be deprived of a famous victory. I watched Damien on um, Foxtel last night and I thought, mate, by this time you should have been able to show a bit more grace. But he's just doubling down on it because he doesn't want to be wrong. Yeah, you're right. That Basically, every, all these people barking about process, if the process leads you to the wrong answer, then I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the wrong process. It's a crap process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, most of us are 80% sure he missed the shot. He was 80% sure. I'm not 80%. I'm 95%. Yeah, I probably am too, but I'm being a bit conservative because I know other people are less convinced. Well, but. Be convinced it's the right decision, so therefore the system is right. What people have to remember, and before they decide whether the AFL was able to make a definitive call on this, is that just as in tennis, if it's 99% out, it's in. In footy, where goals are concerned, if it's 99% in, it's out. So in other words, they have to be convinced that that ball was not going to brush the post. Not hit the post, brush the post. I think you can see pretty clearly from the first angle, which is the one from behind Tom Lynch, that ball, so part of that ball is definitely hitting part of that post if that post is a metre taller. And um, so I'm very comfortable with the outcome. Um, I'm very comfortable that they got the right result. Um, I'd be happy to be walked through the process to find out how they got there. But, yeah, I'm, I'd be sitting here 
far more concerned if a final had been decided on a goal that the bloke didn't think he'd kicked. Yep. And just further on to Lockie Neal, in a game where time and space was at an absolute premium, he just found it. He was he was he was next level out on that footy field on um, Thursday night. So the ludicrous extent of Lockie Neal's dominance is exhibited by the fact that Richmond's tactic to negate it was for their ruckman to take clean possession because he was up against a makeshift ruckman, so he's likely to be physically dominant. And if it hit the bo- hit the deck, Lockie Neal was going to get it. There's six players on the ground. In yep. those centre square stoppages, yep. plus a ruckman hunting after the ball, they were convinced Lockie Neal was going to get it. So Nank, Toby Nankervis, was trying to take clean possession. He thought he was Nick Nat for a moment there, I think. He Toby did. Nankervis. <laughs> yeah. um, now, just just before we move on from Richmond, it sounds to me like um, Dusty's staying. Yeah, I think he's staying now. So and Revolt and Cochin go on. I think. Yeah, I don't know whether that's the right call, but they go on. Yeah, I'm not sure about Cochin. Um, Rewild, I probably would go for one more year. I think he's earned the right to make the call himself. He's been a very, very good player for Jack Rewild, so he's earned that right. Um, I'm not sure where they're at, Richmond. I'll have to have give serious thought whether I pick him in the eight or not next year. So, um, Well, they're going to be about where they were this year, aren't they? Yeah, they're not going to be – well, yeah, I don't think – well, who are they? Are, are they going to be higher than six? And a Hopper as well? Yeah, they've met with Hopper. Okay. Just a bit of salary cap room is there? <laughs> Done that well. Before we go on, we should talk about the AFL's membership figures are out again, Duff. Yes. And you've got to give credit where it's due to the West Coast Eagles. They're number one for the third year in a row. 102,000. 102,897. Uh, Richmond uh, and Collingwood follow. Uh, very, very close. Richmond, number two spot. Collingwood, number three. They're both over 100,000 members. Frio in 12th spot with 56,105. So... Uh, and and no surprises down the very bottom. We've got Gold Coast 21, GWS 32, and Brisbane just ahead of them, 43. I'll tell you the real figures, right? And yep. I'm, I've I've actually stumbled on these once before. I'll try and get hold of them again this year some at some point between now. There are real figures. And the end of the season. Well, the real figures here, because those figures are as rubbery are as the all The crowd better. figures? No, the membership revenue figures. Okay. I believe on membership revenue figures, I believe West Coast are off the charts, number one. And I believe Fremantle are very high, like as in probably top six, maybe even top four. Um, they certainly were the last time I checked, so I'll, I'll just try and – I'll fossick around a little bit. And so see what you're saying, there might be a few Mickey Mouse memberships amongst that lot. Oh, I think there's a few, yes, if you bought a hat. Parrots, dogs and uh, greyhounds. No, forget pets, just, you know, you <laughs> bought a piece of merchandise and were within one kilometre of the stadium for one game. Okay, gotcha. I gotcha. Now the other news is um, they've announced the fixtures for week three of the final series. Uh, no surprises. The Friday night will be the first preliminary, which is Geelong v the winner of Melbourne and Brisbane, and the Saturday night, September seventeen, will be the second preliminary final, Sydney v the winner of Collingwood v Fremantle at the SCG. That's going to be at two forty-five p.m. Western Standard Time. Uh, interestingly, that gives that'll give Frio the time to fly back that night, which is great. Or Frio or Collingwood, I should say. Um, I, I thought they sometimes they do flip it with interstate teams, but so I thought they might give uh, the other uh, the Friday night game. But uh, Geelong's probably earned that right, so good luck to them. Yeah, I think so, and I think the important thing is that everyone gets seven day breaks between games. So and you know they'll be factoring in likely winners of these games as well. Um, 
that you can't discount upsets, but basically if you're coming from the bottom half of the eight, you're coming from a long way back. Yeah. And you're going to, at some point, be shortchanged on a break. Um, that's just how it works, and it's probably how it should work. So yeah. probably, there should, probably should be some advantage to being in the top four and, uh, and getting those. Yeah, that's wins. my only real concern for Geelong at the moment is their lack of footy. Geez, I'll tell you what, they got about two games worth of footy against Collingwood on the weekend. That's a very good point. So, um, yeah, I think... And well done with Jeremy Cameron, too. I was worried about playing him. Um, I would hate to have seen him done, done another hammy, and God, help help us. If, if they get through, please don't do a hammy. You know, I want to see him playing on the big stage, the biggest stage of all. Um, just worries me a little bit with them. Yeah. All They're right. all gettable. Everyone's gettable. No, it's not. There's not. And, you a know, I, and I won't give him a tip till Thursday, of course. But you know, Collingwood's earned the right. They they did nothing wrong on Saturday. They've earned the right. But I tell you what, Frio will give this a hell of a shake. Frio will get. Well, Justin Longmuir talked about belief, and he said you can't do that unless you have belief. Whatever they, whatever belief they had before Saturday night. They've got twice as much. They now. do, and the caveat too with this game, of course, Dugowie, uh scans today. Be careful today. how you say caveat. Why? It's been, but we're talking about social media subjects. Your pronunciation of caveat empt is yeah. emptor. Is yeah, that yes. caveat? Will you say someone cracked me? Did that caveat empor? You say yeah. So apparently it's caveat emptor. Is it? Who did, who's cracked me? Oh, well, a number send, of people on Twitter. I will send your uh, send your mail in. Put put a name to it. Yes. Take on fists of fury, Take people. It, t- t- don't get me angry. <laughs> you won't like me when I'm angry. I'm like the Hulk. <laughs> um, obviously, Jordan Ngoi, uh with the the shoulder has had scans. Uh, there is some damage there, but they think he'll play. Okay, so that's a bit of he was very good, very good at the weekend. So and wait, what, Taylor, what, sorry. What, so. Taylor Adams obviously gone for the season. And very sorry for him. He's been a very good player for Collingwood and doesn't deserve that, but injuries happen. If you're Melbourne and you have the dominance you enjoy over Brisbane yep. and you've got Christian Petrarca with a hairline fracture in his fibula, does Christian Petrarca play this week or do you back yourself to get past Brisbane without him and play him uh, in a prelim? Is it going to improve in two weeks? It's not going to get worse. It might get worse if he plays. Yeah. You, you only the, they can make that call. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. You don't play him this week, um, but so I'm not sure if, he, if it's going to be any better in a week later. That's all. So throw their, everything out. Their it. director of footy, Alan Richardson, says it can't get any worse. It's a hairline fracture, Alan. It can, can definitely yeah, get worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there'll be no one whacking the spot anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> you sure? Dane Zorko won't no, be tempted. No, the facetiousness in my voice <laughs> and that's going to be interesting too Zorko v Melbourne but uh, been a lot of language about that this week um, yeah. oh no no I reckon the language might go out the window when the ball's bounce yeah, I think it might it might should we get to this saddle up your camel it's time for the thirsty camel mailbag Yes, thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to Green Coast Lager from Stone and Wood Brewery. We'll be giving away a carton on Thursday. Thanks for all your mails. We've got plenty to get through. Please keep them short. For the most part, you do that. Uh, And please let us know if you're from Western Australia because you can't win one if you're not. This one, I like this one. This is the clubhouse leader early, I'm calling it. And we haven't spoken about Junior Rioli yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, g'day Duffin Quarters. Wanted to briefly touch on the Rioli situation that is unfolding. Unfortunately, has brought with it scathing criticism and unrealistic trade solutions on Twitter, in brackets. I think West Coast fans need to park the emotion on this one and come to terms with a couple of things. One, if West Coast really wanted Rioli long term, they would have tabled a longer contract term. 
two. Junior does need to secure a future as he is 28 next year and has lost a minimum two years of his career, self-inflicted. He was paid for that two years. Uh, So it makes sense he wants top dollar and a lengthy contract at this age. Three, West Coast signing Rioli on a long-term contract would be negligent, negligent given their list profile and current rebuild. I understand people's views that he should be loyal after the club has backed him through his self-inflicted bans, though we should be looking at it differently. We should be proud the club has backed him and proud that Adam Simpson and his teammates have wrapped his arms around him through tough times. It's a sign of a great club that respects, respects culture and different backgrounds and is willing to take a chance on those who made mistakes as young men. It goes on a bit, but we get the idea. P.S. Has Duff seen the community has purchased the Darkened Pub, which is open now? I did. Thinks he needs to take quarters for a couple of off the wood, we will be doing that this summer. PPS, what's a fair deal for Rioli? And do you think the dominoes are almost ready to fall at West Coast now? Both AFM and Waffle are done for the year. It's a nice email, it- and there's a lot of nice sentiments there. I, I think I've got a slightly different take on this. I think if Junior Rioli wants to go, that's fine. Um, West Coast has to take the opportunity. The opportunity is the trade, and the trade value, I think his real trade value is a pick somewhere in the 20s. Absolutely. Anything higher than that is a big win for West Coast. Anything lower than that, they're probably um, uh, coming up a little bit short. He has trade currency. West Coast is looking to rebuild through the draft. I don't think Junior Rioli is a player that West Coast can take to the bank. And by that, I mean that they know he's going to turn up in the right shape ready to play his best footy, ready to be the player he was in 2018. I don't think they can bank on that. So therefore, cash in your chips, um, get a young player, try and get a midfielder with speed, which is what they desperately lack, and and just move on. I think it's not quite right to suggest that Junior Rioli doesn't owe West Coast because West Coast showed a lot of support for Junior Rioli through that two-year period. I don't know whether he was paid in full, but he was certainly supported financially by the club during that two-year period to make sure he got through it okay. So there, there is an element of the club. I'm sure the club's going to feel like Junior Rioli owes them something, but it might be that what he owes them is a good pick at the draft. Yeah, no, I have absolutely no doubt he owes West Coast. I think they stuck, stuck by him. Um, there were trips by Adam Simpson to the Tiwis. They have stuck by him through this ordeal. They He owes them. And, but how he owes them, I agree with you, 100%. It's a pick in the 20s. Yep. I don't want any less than that. Yep. And that's what they should get for their investment in, in uh, Junior Rioli. So we'll, we'll leave it there. But and the other thing, some of the other sentiments the emailer expressed, I just have a little bit of concern about. This is the AFL. You're not sitting in a circle singing Kumbaya. You know, it's great to talk about great culture. You like and the Kumbaya, like. don't you? It's, you're there to win for your supporters. And there's 102,000 of them. They're the people you represent. Now, if Junior Rioli can't get it done, move him on. If you think you're going to be better by keeping him, keep him. Um, That's the way this business works. It's a pretty tough business. Let's not get too carried away with the warm and fuzzy stuff. Mm. You're Kumbaya. I'm going to sing Ginganguli. That was my favourite. Is that as in Surav? That was my favourite. Surav, the Indian cricketer? No, have you heard that song? No, I haven't. Anyway, no. I'm not going to sing it now. <laughs> uh, this one from Matthew. Um, yeah, okay, Matt. Uh, hey, Duff and Quarters. Last year I emailed in to ask why do we get served up the likes of Maguire, Carey and Ablett Senior as great for the game identities who are always defended no matter what. And since that email, the Do Better report dropped and Carey is claiming he carries crushed anti-inflammatory in a Ziploc bag. 
I take various tablets for an arthritic back and never put crushed ones in a Ziploc bag. Stop the crap, please, and get your noses out of your mate's backsides. Bit harsh, Matt. I'm I'm not a mate of Wayne Carey or Gary Ablett Sr., I can tell you right now. I do have some family links to Eddie Maguire. I love Eddie Maguire as a bloke. He makes some silly comments at times, but I love him as a bloke. But, uh, look, we take your other points, but, yeah, move on. Yeah, not one of the Ducks' finest moments, I wouldn't have thought. No, no. There's a few things that just don't add up on both sides of the fence with that, to be quite honest. Yep. Mate, you know. They do come in pill form. They do come in pill form. They come in liquid form. But the other thing is, if if it's offered up to security, why did security not just take it? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. I mean, just nothing adds up to me about Well, no, thing. apparently they're not allowed to. Apparently the only people that can... Um, police? Police are well, the call people. the police. Get yeah. them. And if Kerry's adamant... Demand that it goes to police to analyse. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Just a lot doesn't add up there. Anyway, we move on. Uh, Brett, g'day Duffin Quarters. It took the last couple of years of Josh Kennedy's career to settle the debate. Who won out of the Chris Judd v JK trade? Sorry, Blues fans. On Saturday night, he's taken just a couple of games, even a couple of glimpses of Jai Amos for Frio fans to realise that Carlton has once again lost on the Adam Chera trade for pick six. Might be a tad early, but I like where you're going. Chera isn't Judd. Ironically, they both share the same number five at the Blues, which brings me to my point. I can only think of two star players in recent times who've actually won the trade debate. Lockie Neal for pick five and Jeremy Cameron for picks 13, 15 and 20. And Geelong really only win that deal if they win the flag. Both Neal and Cameron had huge games for their clubs in the finals on the weekend. Um... Tim Tarano, Jacob Hopper, Josh Dunkley all have long-term lucrative deals in front of them from other clubs, all of which would demand a top 10 pick. A similar size farm for Jeremy Campbell would also be needed to land Luke Jackson. Think of Hawthorne trading out their first round picks and how much that set them back. The same could now be said of West Coast. I'd just like to say, buyer be bloody aware. Some of the best trades are the ones you don't do. That was our mate, Brett the Iron Ore Dozer off. Yeah, it's a brilliant email. An absolutely brilliant email. Read it beautifully. And the only thing I would dispute with him, I don't think I think the Josh Kennedy winning that end of the trade for West Coast, I think that was a lot longer than two years ago. Juddy's been gone since about yeah. 2014. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Josh Kennedy has probably played the best footy of his career since then. So, yeah, I would have thought around about 2017, 2018, we knew that the Eagles were in front on that one. They were certainly in front when both Chris Marston and Josh Kennedy played in the 2018 flag. Of course, Chris Marston playing the important critical wingman role in that uh, premiership team, and he was part of that trade as well. So, um uh, a great call, a great email. Is that almost the clubhouse leader? Oh, that's the clubhouse leader. Yeah. yeah. Let's make it the clubhouse leader. Has he won before? He might be building... Yes, he's won before. He might be building a liquor store out of what he gets out of us. <laughs> well, let's hope it's not on site. Um, Adam uh, writes, Adam from Victoria Park. Hello, Duff and Quarters. My question is related to the ARC's use of the host broadcast cameras. Is there a difference in camera quality used by Foxtel and Seven? I don't think there is. I think they're the same cameras, aren't they? So one thing I will say, and this is important to realise, I'm told that Brad Scott is walking Richmond through this at some stage um, when Dimmer is done expressing his outrage about it. Mm -hmm. Um, All these cameras are synced. So when they circled the ball above the post, that is as the ball is crossing the line. So basically the ball above the post as the ball is crossing the line. So um, that is the best available information that they have. That is what they would call definitive. Uh, What I would call definitive is the way the ball is spinning and the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, 99% in is out in footy, the absolute opposite of tennis, there is no way that ball gets past that post without clipping it. 
Dylan writes, Duff has shown his true colours this year. The reason he's been so grumpy is because the team has been in contention. I've never heard him as critical of his mob, and I reckon it's because he has high expectations of them. Calm down, Duff. They'll be fine long-term, just maybe not this year. Or maybe they will be this year. Uh, no, I, I, they're about where I expected them to be. So um, I, I think... You know what, you're never playing with house money in finals because once you're there, you want to take a free swing. But this is about where I th- – I had them seventh and they're now top six. So I had them just outside the eight. Yeah, so um, they're about where I had them. Uh, Jeff from Mooney Ponds, the great Mooney Ponds, writes, Hi, guys, mad Dockers fan who couldn't be there on Saturday night. The atmosphere and noise seemed amazing after getting that first goal just before halftime. Is that the loudest game you've been to in the West? It was really loud – Probably not the loudest. The grand final was pretty loud last year. Dreamtime was pretty loud. Dreamtime time was pretty loud. And there's also been, well, the whole bridge was rocking in Dreamtime. Yeah. Plus, um, oh, there have been a few Eagles finals that have been pretty loud too. The West, the West Coast mob, for a club that's accused of being historically quiet and doing polite golf clapping for points and things like that, there's a groundswell of Bogan followers, I reckon, since they've moved to the new stadium. They're very loud. West Coast, very, very loud. Hi again, boys. This is Tony from Frio. Uh, quarter time of the game of the weekend, the guys and I were trying to avoid thinking about seeing Frio flame out in Monday's last hurrah, and conversation turned to the Duff and Quarters pod. In particular, we turned to the slight mismatch in opinion expressed a while ago between you guys that was also evident in our crew when we discussed it. Duffy's always severe on the long-suffering Frio supporter meme because he believes it ignores the five to seven years we were very good, ignoring the 20 years we haven't been, which does give some credibility to that trope. I will say I don't care whether we're long-suffering or not. I wouldn't have it any other way. Last time this nation came up, Quarters remarked that a club needs a flag to be truly justified and pay back supporters, but Duff disagreed. So there is a question coming from this thought exercise we banged on about on the weekend, and we are very interested in your thoughts from each of you. The question is, given the chance to pick a 10-year span for your team, which of the two would you pick? One, example the recent Geelong run, Prelims every second year, always winning in the home and away, but ultimately no flags. And September heartache each year might change this year. Or two, Melbourne, some really terrible years, including a spoon, but also some great years and topped off by a flag. Let's they, let's assume they don't win another. Um, I'll just tell you right now, I'll take the flag. Yeah, no, I'll take Geelong. Mm. No, I'll take Melbourne. I want, you've got to remember how many minutes you feel happy about supporting your team. Yeah, but the ultimate happiness is silverware. No, but it only lasts about two weeks. Oh, no. It lasts longer than that. Oh. I'm still happy about 89. Yeah, well, good on you. <laughs> you need to get out more. No, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> no wonder you've got fists of fury. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> hi, Duff and Quarters. This is from Bill Pitts from Pemberton. Hi, Duff and Quarters. Love the first round of finals, an indication that teams had fit, fresh players and almost full availability. Sorry, Quarters, but the pre-finals buy is a must. If they didn't have this, we would have seen tired footy with teams playing banged-up players, with quite a few that would not have played at all. Games would not have been so competitive and spectacular to watch. That's a pretty fair comment. I still don't agree with you, Bill, but you're entitled to your opinion. That's a pretty fair comment. They were pretty fresh. Yeah, um, so the the pre-finals buy... I, I think it's a discussion. I think the AFL thinks it's staying, um, which is interesting because I think if you weigh it up with your pre-grand finals buy, I think there's an argument that you're right as long as they do what I think, which is 
make sure they fixture sensibly in round 20. That's right. Um, but I think I'd rather see two fresh teams on grand final day. Mm. That's the key, I think. Uh, this one from Joel. Hey, boys. No question, just buzzing from the Frio win. I was at the game Saturday night, shifting on the top deck in the fourth quarter, and at the end of the match, that grandstand was bouncing. It felt like an earthquake. Good, uh, Keep up the good work. Go Frio. Good on you, Joel. Have Enjoy. you ever... F- Felt a grandstand shake. Yeah, old MCG at times. And certainly some of the um, Victorian suburban grounds, Moorabbin, uh, Princess Park, the Heatley stand um, uh, behind the Royal Parade yeah, goal. Yeah, I know that one. used to shake a lot. And they, the supporters would bang their feet on the wooden floorboards and the whole thing would shake. Uh, I've been to a few EPL grounds where they're old, like Crystal Palace used to be very old wooden stand, and they shake. So depending on the age of the facility, yes, I have. So I was the Adelaide Oval preliminary final 2017 when they beat Geelong to go into the grand final against Richmond. The, I was in, I was actually in the ABC radio commentary box because there'd been a mix-up. They had no seat for me in the press box and because I worked for the ABC doing sports talk, um, they were able to get me in there. Uh, that shook that's a new grandstand. That absolutely shook that night. It's a wobbly grandstand. Yeah, it was It was a bit bizarre. It, it moved almost as far as the Matagarrett Bridge on Dreamtime mm. at Optus. Uh, this one from Justin from Mandra. Hi, gents. Just finished coming down off the high that was Frio's elimination final comeback. And can't help but reflect on Duff's call of Caleb Sarong being his young gun that stands up this final series. Yeah, well done. You did say that. I totally agree with him at the time and was overjoyed to see him proven right on Saturday night. I think it's often taken for granted that this kid is only three years into his AFL career and has the exact big game temperament that is required of high-level AFL footy. I can't praise him enough and good work, Duff, for citing this prior to the big clash. No question, just pats on the back. Yeah, he's just clean. Clean under heat. Look at the three of the standout performers this weekend. Lockie Neal, um, Clayton Oliver, even though his team got beaten... And Caleb Sarong, clean. A couple here, same theme. One's from Mitchell Carter um, and the other's from Paul Vella from Rockingham. And Mitchell's from Claremont. Um, I'm calling, uh, Paul is saying, I'm calling to say this is the greatest win in Dockers history. To be outclassed in the first half and score our first goal in time on in the second quarter. Come from 41 points down as a credit to the club. Sunday was Father's Day, but in my household it was known as Happy Frio Day. Jai Amos had a great second game for the club. Question, will Tabs play next week? And if yes, who comes out for him? And the other was, does that knock off? Um, this is from Mitchell, the 2013 qualifier in Geelong as Fremantle's greatest ever win. So I would say no, it doesn't. Um, let's not forget, as great as this was, um, let's not forget, this was 5v8. This was 15 and a half wins versus 12 wins. And this was at 15 and a half wins home ground. Still 41 points down, though. Um Fremantle got sent to Geelong as the underdog in 2013 and tipped the favoured team on its backside. That's monumental. Tabena? Um, I'm going with what went on Saturday night. Yeah. And, and you just take whatever comes. I think Matt Tabena's had a very interrupted run. You'll be kicking yourself all the way to, to Sunday. Yeah if Matt Tabiner runs out there and twangs a calf in the first 20 minutes. So Fife doesn't play this week, but if they win, he gets through the next week. Maybe. 
Yeah. Maybe next week. Um, and you see, you know, you've got to get 22 players. If you win this week, you've got to get 22 players through. Um, so it's always good to have options to come in, but I'm going with the same 22. Um, Andrew from Leeming writes, Hi Duff and Quarters, do you think the AFL is healthy when all four non-Melbourne-based clubs win in the first week of finals? A little facetious. Geelong's, it is non-Melbourne, but it's basically Melbourne and they do play at the MCG. Um, no, I'd say very healthy. That's exactly what the AFL would be after, although they do like those uh, the big four up at the pointy end. Hey, I'm going to throw this, – this is – I'm going to call this a brain fart, mm-hmm. and, and let's get some responses to this between now and Thursday, right? So, And I thought of this while I was watching the baseball today. Today I watched the Chicago White Sox close out the Seattle Mariners and Liam Hendricks. Yep. Who's the son of former West Perth player Jeff Hendricks. He was the closing pitcher. Did really well. They won 3-2. Um and I was looking at the ladders and how they structure their their system. If we go to 19 teams with Tasmania, then we're going to 20. Let's not yes. kid ourselves. Yes. <clears throat> how do we structure it? Do you put us into five conferences where you play your own conference twice and the other conference once? That means that basically you have five conferences of four teams, six games, so two times three, play the others twice, and then another 16 games where you play all the other teams once and f- the five top teams from each of the conferences play in the finals and then the next three best performed teams whatever conference they're in go through to the finals what do you think no too radical an overhaul too radical a departure from what we're used to it i'd like actu- to see the fixtures tweaked it would actually be fair yeah we could still make it more fair than it is now more equitable than it is now but i don't like the idea of splitting it into those that many conferences i just think it would lose a bit of its magic the AFL I think we like travelling here there and everywhere just just more equitably really well you would still travel here there and everywhere mm. you just do it in a different way yeah. I don't know no it's food for thought tell us what you think people particularly our American listeners well thank you for your, your mailbag there's plenty Who's I can't that? read it we'll have a crack next week Let, let's because we keep on forgetting when we go to Thursday you yeah. know who's our so who's our clubhouse leader officially um, I'm going to... Well, it's, it's probably the... Uh, the Iron dozer. Watch, the dozer driver. There's no reason you can't win it twice. No, we're going with the dozer driver. He's yeah. the clubhouse leader. So come on, we need to, to up the ante there. Please send your mail to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. All right, so that's it for Tuesday. We're looking forward to another big weekend of finals this weekend. Of course, we have the Melbourne-Brisbane showdown at the MCG on Friday night when Dane Zorko is going to need a pair of earplugs, I suspect, for what he's going to cop from the Melbourne fans. And then Fremantle versus Collingwood, MCG, Saturday night. The Dockers had 59,000 going for them on the weekend. They're probably going to have about 75,000 going Ooh, against yeah. them. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a good weekend. experience for them. Fantastic experience. Mm. Worth another 10 home and away games. 20, probably, this week. Well, quarters. We've been brought to you, as usual, by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly and please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. We will talk to you again on Thursday when we'll have a bit to talk about. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening.
This has been the Duffin Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.